0: Thanks, Pastor Stevie. (laughs) Y'all want to know I'm laughing at, huh? I'm going to tell you. So we talk about coffee. Coffee snob. He just bashed Folgers. Can I tell you a story? That bro, he served you Folgers a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we talk about coffee snob. And I, I, I grew up in a logging family, so... Coffee's coffee, right? He grew, he grew up in the Air Force. He grew up, he grew up in the Air Force. Um, so maybe the Air Force serves Fufu coffee. Is that what it is? But the dude also hunts with a pink rifle. So um, <laughs> I got a picture to prove it if you want to know. So. But uh, he's right. The, the good church family deserves good coffee. I pollute my coffee with sugar and creamer. So I don't care what kind it is. Yeah, I know. You think less of me now. But here's also what I do. I save the church money by buying Folgers. He goes above and beyond and buys the good stuff. But that's why you give, right? Come on. Yeah, you're welcome. Here's what I do know. He knows more about it than I do. Uh, And so it's just a little source of contention that I'll drink just about anything except for the u We had some u I was like, bro, you need to ban this. Like, this, this was not a good brand of the u So anyhow, but, but coffee is one of the things when they came here last year was he was like, bro, we got to change the coffee. I'm like, why? Exactly. Like, I'm old. I like it. I, I was doing the Costco Colombian and then we, we upgraded and then we upgraded again. And now I do not know what y'all drink. I, don't, I just drink my own at home, and I had, a, I had a mocha this morning. My wife bought this mocha machine last year for Christmas. It was like the best Christmas present for me ever, even though it wasn't for me, but I do use it every day. Uh, first service, it was very obvious that I was on caffeine, because I was bouncing and talking super fast, and um, I have no idea what I said, so I'm glad it wasn't recorded, right? <laughs> But I do know a little bit, right? We're going to talk today, man. I'm excited about this lesson. You, you care if I just teach today? Is that cool? And we were out of here, like... We were out of here at what time? It was like ten twenty-four or something. I didn't preach for very long. Y'all cool with that? I'm not making the same promise, um, but I might. But it's a shorter lesson. And as we're on a series called Adventure Awaits, and we're talking about things um, in life that, that life is an adventure. You really don't know what's coming. And about giving and about how we live our life and how it affects other people. Uh, but today we are going to be talking about something that we all like. Every single one of us likes this, all right? But it starts with an M. All right, we all like money. We all like money. And here's the good news, because y'all just went, whoa, he's preaching on money. No, I'm preaching on what the Bible says on money. And here's the good news. We already took an offering, so I ain't gonna take another one. Amen, because some preachers will preach on giving and then they'll pass the bucket to see if, you, if it took. Uh, that's not how we roll here. So I'm gonna do a biblical teaching on money. It's a lot of it um, is based on how I was raised, how my dad taught us uh, with, with money and how to deal with money, how to handle money, um, how not to spend All your money, like if you want money, I'm gonna teach you a few principles my dad taught us. Um, And so for me, it's exciting because again, this isn't a, hey, we're begging you for money as a church. This is me teaching you as a friend, as a pastor to say, here's what the Bible says about it. So if money is a deal to you and you struggle with it, all right, there's some things that we can do to to help our finances and the Bible talks about it. Jesus talked a lot about money. So uh, the title of the message is is last week was living your purpose today is giving comma your purpose. Okay, giving, your purpose. God wants us uh, to be cheerful givers. So I'm gonna start with a little story I'm with my granddaughter this week. Uh, her, her auntie Lexi took her shopping. And my granddaughter's five years old, okay? And, and when Lexi goes shopping, she goes shopping. It's like a big deal. And so I watched them as Lexi drove up from the shopping spree and they walk in with all these bags of stuff, like lots of stuff. And so, so Michaela's in the living room looking at all her stuff that she got. And, uh, and I said, Kayla, she says, what? I said, shopping is not the source of your happiness. And she said, shopping is to the source of my happiness. That's what she said. She's five. And I'm like, oh no, we are in big trouble. Why? Because her Auntie Lexi taught her that shopping is the source of happiness. All right. Just one of those funny little moments. But several years back, uh, my wife and I took the kids to Silver City. I don't know if you've ever been there. You go through Murphy who's been to Silver City? You've been up there? um, Unfortunately, we've been here 31 years in the valley. I've only been there one time, which is really sad because it's a cool place. And so we we took a little trip up to Silver City and met a guy up there named Phil. And Phil has been there since the 50s. Um, He has a a house in California and he kind of travels back and forth. But he used to live in Silver City and he was a gold miner. I mean, he was telling me about the shafts they sunk And uh, because I grew up in a logging town with with a lot of gold mines. uh, That's one thing that we did in high school is we would go through all the gold mines and and uh, just explore things. And, uh, and so as we were talking to Phil about you know plaster mining and gold panning and just doing different things, I asked him, I said, so do they let you gold pan in, in this creek? And he said, yeah. I said, so where's a good place to gold pan?
1: <laughs> Phil goes,
0: gold miners don't talk. <laughs> I was like, come on, Phil, you're my new best friend, right? He's like, gold miners don't talk. Well, I don't want to be like the gold miner who isn't going to tell you how to find the gold. Like I am here today to teach you a lesson on what the Bible says about money, about giving and about a heart thing, uh, because I don't wanna be seen like the guy who says, I'm not gonna tell you how to get what God has for you. Now, I do not believe, cause I am not a prosperity doctrine person. I don't believe that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy and rich and all that, because some of the richest people I've ever seen spiritually live in third world countries. Amen. People that know Jesus way more than I will ever know Jesus because Jesus is all they got. Right? So, so you can't tell me that, you know, the, the, the result of living a Christian life is, you know, big house, nice, car. That's, that's a bunch of baloney, Amen. okay, because most of the world isn't like that, but they're godlier than we ever be, but God does want us to be blessed um, in certain areas, and I believe that in our area of finances, let me just put this, if I brought a third world country person here, they saw your bank account, or they saw your paycheck, okay, they would go, wow, you are rich, and then you'd be like, well, not compared to, no, we, we can't compare, so it's all relevant, right? It's all relative. So for me personally, I'm put off by preachers begging for money. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm put off by that. I don't want to be seen like that. That's not what this lesson's about. But if I don't teach you where the gold's at, then I'm doing you a disservice. So my dad taught us tithing. He taught us generosity. He taught us good money management skills. Simple things like this. Here's a couple things from my dad. If you want to have money, this is basic. Spend less than you make. Okay? It's so basic, yet we have a hard time doing it, Right? Okay, work hard. Okay, he, he made us work from little kids on. Again, we, we lived in a logging community. He owned a logging company. We worked brushing roads, which is cutting the brush off of dirt sides of dirt roads. We did a lot of physical labor as kids. Uh, the value of a dollar is only learned through earning it. Okay, he taught us that. And from eighth grade on, we had to start buying our own school clothes because I think what he discovered was it's really easy to slide into home plate and tear your jeans if mommy bought them. Okay. AKA dad bought them, right? So because my mom stayed home and raised us, there have been days where it would be easier for her to have a, real, a job outside the home than to raise four of us. So dad taught us these things. And by eighth grade, we had to start buying our own school clothes. And it's amazing what you won't do in clothes that you paid for. It's like, eh, nope, not gonna slide. I'll just be out. Because when you're spending 13 bucks for a pair of Levi's, okay, where I, where I lived, we had to drive an hour and a half to Redding. Okay, I lived so far in the boonies, we drove to Redding, California to go school shopping. And so I remember $13 was a pair of Levi's and it was like, we took care of them once you started buying them. Nowadays, right, we, we, if you went to school with holes in your pants, you were poor. Yeah. Today, it means you're rich, yeah. right? Yeah, tell Miss Kristen there. So it's kind of thing, funny how things go. All right. God does not promise to make you rich. This is be very clear. Does not promise to make you rich, at least financially. But if you were generous, he does promise to take care of you. And that's really what today's lesson is about. So what does the Bible say about money? It says a lot about money. Jesus talked about money a lot. So we're going to talk about it because the things that Jesus talks about are the things that we should be talking about in church. All right. So we'll talk about money instead of adultery and fornication today. How's that? That cool? All right. See, money is a great servant, but a terrible master. It's a great servant. It's a tool. It's used to help, or it should be used to help, but it's a terrible master. Generosity is common from cover to cover. You look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, generosity is something that God says that we need to be. Uh, So we're going to look at two things today. Number one, tithing. Okay, what is tithing? And then we're going to look at giving. It's a separate thing. Tithe means tenth. Thanks for coming. CLC, you can go home now. You've learned something, right? You know, tithing, tithe means 10th. It means 10%. 10% of what? 10% of your income. And people, you know, they go, 10% of the gross or the net. Here, here's, I make it simple. 10% of your paycheck. If you make three grand a month, 300 a month goes to tithe. Okay. If you get a tax return, 10% goes to tithe. If you win a lottery, 20% goes to tithe. <laughs> you heard that, huh? <laughs> Yeah, first service, it was 30%. So you guys are getting a bargain. Uh, so, so tithing means 10. So that's, people try to figure it all out. I, I knew a guy one time, very generous man, but his, his tithe check, he was uh, in sales. So his, his, very, his paycheck varied, uh, but it was always down to the penny. Like he, he was like down to the penny and I thought that was great. So I make it easy, round up, right? Just round up, just round up, it'll work. It's cool. All right, so we're gonna to go to the book of Malachi and, uh, and we're gonna talk about what God is talking to the, the, the children of Israel and he, he teaches them this lesson here um, and he confronts them on something. And it's something they kind of didn't realize what was happening until God mentions it. Something they knew they should have been doing, but they weren't. And, and they, they kind of figured it out after God confronts them. And so he says this in Malachi, verse six of chapter three. I, the Lord, do not change. That's important. Amen. He makes that clear. I do not change. Old Testament, New Testament, I am the same God. Like the same rules, okay? Live live the same way. I do not change. So you, O oh descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since the time of your forefathers, he's confronting their behavior. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. And this was a pattern with Israel, like they're in and then out, then they're in and out, they're on again, off again, on again, off again. Their, their walk with God was so crazy. They would they would be in bondage. God would bring them out of bondage, bless them, and they'd get blessed. They'd get complacent in their blessing and begin to turn to other gods and kind of forget the real God. And then they'd get back into bondage again. They'd cry for help and God would raise them. It's just like this whole pattern. And some of us can, understand what that's like, right? You're on fire for Jesus, then all of a sudden you're living like the devil and then you get, you're like, ah! Uh, you know, and, and the Christian life can be like that. It ebbs and it flows. And he's saying here, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. that okay, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you because you are robbing me. And then he says in verse 10, bring the, so here's the problem, okay? You're robbing me. You're not, you're not giving what you should, but here's the solution because God will never point out your problem without giving you a solution. He always gives you a solution to the problem that you have. And he says this, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, the word whole, it's, it's, it's Hebrew for whole, meaning everything, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which was like the synagogue, the church, that there may be food in my house. And I'll explain to you why it happened. Test me, oh, now God's saying test me. It's the only time in the Bible God says, test me. all the other times, he's like, don't test me. It's like, I will smoke you, like fire, right? Don't test me. But with money, he says, test me, test me. That's what God's saying. He's giving you permission to try this out. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing on you that you will not have enough room for it. And not only does God provide, verse 11, he goes further, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Again, this is back before, you know, Citibank and credit cards and all the electric stuff we have. They were farmers. So anything they grew, God was saying, not only will I bless you for giving, but I will prevent things from happening to you if you are faithful in your tithes and offerings. And how many of y'all that have been faithful that, that your car didn't break down because of your giving? Amen. How many of y'all didn't have your house burned down because you're, you were giving in tithes? We don't know. I, I think when we get to heaven, we able to see the replay and God says, here's what's gonna happen, but but it didn't because you were tithing. Amen. So the next time you're driving down Eagle Road and you're frustrated with the person that's driving slow ahead of you, God might be up there going, no, you tithe this week, so I'm gonna prevent you from hitting, getting hit by crazy over here. Right. Yeah. Like... And I got to drive Eagle Road today. So I'm, 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 I got to practice what I'm preaching. And I'm going to tell myself, be patient. All right. And, and you never know what a delay might actually have prevented. He's here preached than lived, but it's really true. So he, God's going to prevent things from happening. He says, and I think this side of heaven, we won't know, but when we get to heaven, I think God's going to say, here's what, here's what I prevented from happening to you because you were faithful in your tithing and your giving. It's just a really cool principle. Again, tithing means what? Tenth. Tenth all right. Where did it start? It started back in Genesis, okay? Back in Genesis, Abraham, he went to war and he he got some spoils of war and this priest named Melchizedek, who was the priest of Jerusalem, okay, met him. And and for some reason, Abraham said, you know, I'm gonna give him a 10th of all the spoils of war. And because he was a priest, it took care of, we'll call it the church, okay? The synagogue, whatever, but it took care of the spiritual side of things. And that's how the priests, uh, they ate. They, They made a living on meeting the needs of the people, helping people out in the community meeting the spiritual needs and that's how they basically got paid. That's how they lived. So that's where it came from. All right, here's the good news right here Let's stop. You can bristle and not tithe and not give, but you'll keep struggling financially. Okay, so you don't have to listen to me. Look at your neighbor, so you don't have to listen to him. All right, you don't have to listen to me. That's, that's the good part, right? You come here voluntarily, but you will keep struggling. You, you keep struggling. So even the sirens are going off because there are people in here that are struggling listening to this teaching, right? So it dates back to Genesis, okay? It's a big big deal that it started in the Bible and it ends in the Bible. Again, the purpose was to take care of the priests who spent their full time ministering to the church family, caring for the spiritual needs of the people. So that's what we do when we tithe to a church body like this. It it pays pastors, it helps us be a, a spiritual, I guess, building block in our community helps us meet the needs and it helps us answer your text messages, right? really should also pay for air conditioning. Pastor Steve, can you kick the AC on? It just got really warm in here. I don't know if it's me because I felt people bristling at what I'm talking about. Is it a little warm? I learned to not even ask, just kick the AC on. The sheep will be fine, all right? That's why they have wool. <laughs> that, was, that was bad. <laughs> all right, so today it looks a little different. You can drop off a few stakes at the church and Pastor TV will be happy about that. Um, You know, if if you butchered a cow or whatever, but the electricity bill still has to be paid. So it, so it pays for, you know, what we have as a church family pays for staff. Um, So 10% as a church, our board, we, we give 10% of the general fund income. So you need to know that the money that you give, we look at, it's not a, the Bible doesn't say a church has to do it, but we choose to. Why? Because God will bless it. And so we, we get 10% of our general fund giving that you give. And we, we look at needs in our community. We look at um, ministries that we can bless. Um, you know, we've even helped like with a couple church plants. I mean, we just, that's, that's what we do, right? Because it furthers the kingdom of God. Amen. So that's, that's our heart is we're not going to ask you to do something we're not willing to do ourselves, right? We, we do it and we do it with a cheerful heart. All right, Malachi, okay, chapter three, again, verse six of them just tells you That this is the only place in the Bible, again, that that God says to test them. Okay, plant the seed and see if I don't make it grow. Why does God bring it up? Why does God even mention it? Well, it's really an obedience issue. And God wants you to be blessed. He really does. Okay, I'm not saying God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, prosperous, and, you know, bigger house than everybody else. That's not the point. But God does want to bless us. And God wants us to test us. So here's my encouragement with, with tithing. Try it for three months. That's what I tell people that struggle is if you're a newer Christian, this might be new to you. For me, it was, it was taught, man, as we were little. Like dad says, like you get an allowance, if you get a dollar, then you give 10 cents of so the offering plate we came. He just taught us this principle. And I remember him standing in our kitchen uh, and, and talking to me about other owners of logging companies who made more money. He said, but I'm better off. And it's because I tithe. Just those little things that my dad put into us. And my kids will tell you, All my adult children, they they tithe. They will tell you that God has blessed them. Now, my son thinks if you throw a check in the the offering on a Sunday, you'll kill a big bull elk or a big mule deer on Monday. And the reason is, is it's happened several times. So he's a firm believer, right? So if you're a hunter and you didn't get nothing, check your giving record. Um, Because I don't, (laughs) y'all need to know that. I have no idea who gives what. Even gives. Now, if you're going to be in leadership, I do ask, are they giving? But, I, but I don't, I'm not interested in what you give or how much. Okay? What I'm interested in is obedience. So for me, uh, tithing isn't a money issue, but it's a trust issue. Am I going to trust God with that 10%? Uh, my good friend Tom Stradley, Tom and Linda, is are great, great members of our church. I mean, they live up in, in Donnelly area now. But they, they, I remember Tom saying, you know, I can't, I have a hard time living on 100%, but I get by on 90% just fine. Like over and over again, when you tithe, God will provide, he will. I call it the law of the seed and it's a law. This isn't like, hey, you should try it. This is actually a law, just like gravity is. The law of the seed is what you plan, is what's gonna grow. And so for me, how I take this verse is I look at it and say I, to myself, I wanna attract God's favor, not repel it, not repel it. Men, when you were dating, women, when you were dating and, and you went on a date with your hopefully future spouse or whoever it was you were dating, the best thing you could do, man, men or women, is to work out super hard without any deodorant and then go on a date. Is that, is that repellent or is that attractant? You're on something, yeah. For the most part, body odor is repelled. Like you, 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 if, ladies, I want you to think about it. This guy takes you on a date and he didn't shower, he didn't bathe and he smells terrible. You're probably not going to have a second date. No if so, not not. something's wrong with your smeller or your mind, uh, right? Because that it repels us. But what do we do when we go on a date? What do we like to do? You should be deodorant and you should smell good. Why? Because there's an attractant there. Amen. And ladies, if you're really mean, you wear one with pheromones and that's just not fair. Um, <laughs> okay, to a guy. It's just the truth. i stand, i tell you the truth. Okay, so everybody cool on tithing? We're done with that part. Let's go to offerings, okay? What is an offering? Offering is above the 10%. Mm -hmm. An offering is being generous. An offering, my wife and I, um, our goal is to give a lot above our tithe, but our other, we try to give 15% is our goal. But the other five is to go to ministries. It's to go to camp scholarship. It's to go to, we call it way of Hope. It's to go to different things um, that we feel they're doing something for the kingdom of God. An offering is above and beyond. Uh, big, big lesson my dad taught us was to tip well on a job well done. Like if you go to a restaurant and the, and the wait staff, man, they do above and beyond, tip well, okay? If they don't do a job, just do the minimum, right? Because we believe that you should earn it. It's a tip, okay? <laughs> Here's the tip, work harder and maybe I'll give you money next time. Uh, that would not be good, but, but they, they count on tips, right? To live for most wait staff. What I don't like personally, I don't like tip share. And I will typically ask if somebody goes above and beyond, I'll say, is this, do you guys do tip share here? Uh, Most of the time it's, yeah, because I watch other wait staff. And if my wait staff is, man, they're just hustling, they're doing the job, they're doing above and beyond. I want to bless them. But if I'm looking at somebody who's lazy and not filling drinks and not really paying much attention, I don't want my tip to go to them. I mean, I, well, yeah, so I, what we do is I'll say, is, it, is there, is this tip share? Yeah. I'll say, so you put it all in the pot and everybody gets, a, everybody gets divvied up the same regardless. Of the, yeah. So what I, what I will do is I will hand them a bill, usually a pretty healthy bill. And I'll say, this is not a tip. This is a gift. Put it in your pocket, right? Yeah. This ain't to be shared with the people who are lazy. That's just how I roll, okay? I, 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 but here's, what, here's our problem, is if, if you work hard or don't work hard and everybody makes the same, that's called communism or socialism, okay? And I'm not about that. So I'm about, if, if you're a weight staff and you work hard, you should get tipped well. Okay. As Christians, we should tip, or oh, we should be known for that. Okay. Really, really important. So just one of those things, again, that my dad taught us is to look at weight staff and tip them generously. Um, I can't tell you how many times I saw my dad tip well, well beyond okay, what the standard is on a job well done. And so, again, it's just a teaching thing. It's a generosity thing. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says this. It says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed, okay? And that's an important proverb to remember that God wants us to give freely, but when we do, we think the more we give, the less I'll have, but that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. The more we give, the more God seems to give us, right? Because God doesn't want to bless a stingy person. Matter of fact, he won't. There's a story about a young man in the Bible who is rich, he was young and he was a ruler. He was a synagogue ruler and he comes to Jesus one day. Uh, this is found in the book of Matthew and we'll read his story and Jesus deals with something and he deals with this guy's heart. It says, now a man came up to Jesus and he asked, okay, teacher, what, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, do we need to do a good thing to get eternal life? No. no, we can't do a good thing. Jesus did a good thing on the cross. As a matter of fact, he did a great thing. And all we have to do is accept him to be our savior. I don't know where you're at when you're walking with God today, but let me tell you something. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to forgive your sins, never asked him to come into your life and be your savior, you are bound for hell when you die. Pure and simple, right? There's a consequence for our sin, but the good news is Jesus came and he gave his life for us so that all that we have to do is recognize, hey, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus, please forgive me and come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And that moment you do that, you get your ticket punched to heaven. It's that easy. Okay. Again, there's no waiting period. God doesn't wait a day to see if you're serious. Okay. He, the moment you ask Jesus to forgive you and come into your life is the moment that you get saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternity in hell because hell's a real place. Okay. I live my life to try to prevent people from going there. So this young man comes up, the book of Mark, uh, Mark had a little bit of different take on it. He says, this young man came up and fell on his knees. Like, so he, he's on his knees, which, which to me is kind of a penitent thing for a rich young man to do. But what, must good, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? He replied, there is only one who is good. And this is my answer because people say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? what Jesus say here? There's only one who's good is God, because we want to know, why did the bad thing happen to a good people? Well, according to Jesus, none of us are good. We're good compared to the person that's less good than us, right? So we want to compare ourselves, our life. But Jesus is like, there's nobody good. We're all sin, right? Except for Jesus, we're all sinners in need of a savior. But he says, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, in other words, if you want to go to heaven, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man said, you imagine telling your kids, I want you to obey me, which ones? Isn't that kind of what we do? We want to make the rules. The next time you see a police officer, okay, politely walk up to him and say, sir, what can I do to be the best citizen that I can be? And the police officer say, Well, obey the rules. And you'd be like, which ones? <laughs> How can I be a good driver? Obey the traffic laws. <laughs> which ones? Right? Do you see, so this is the, the picture that Jesus is painting here. Is this guy, he wants to know, Which ones? He sounds like a five-year-old. Right? Which ones? And what do you think Jesus is thinking at this point? (laughs) All of them stupid, but I don't think Jesus would say that. All right? Because Jesus knows what this guy's covering. And so Jesus actually just answers him unsarcastically. And if it was me, I'd have been so sarcastic in this moment. That's why I'm not Jesus. (laughs) Okay? And Jesus replied, do not murder. He only lists five of the Ten Commandments here. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony and honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, he said, what do I still lack? And what I don't know, because this is all through texting and not physical face-to-face conversation. We don't know what he meant by this question. We don't know where he was at mentally. What was he like, hey, I've done all five you listed. I haven't done anything. What do I still lack? Was he hoping Jesus would be like, you lack nothing, bro, man, just you're doing it. You're kicking it, right? You're doing great. Keep it up, man. Everybody look at this guy, he's doing it. He doesn't broke five of them. We don't know, but, but was there something, and I, I tend to think because he fell on his knees, I, I think he still felt an emptiness. I still feel like he was like, I, I have kept those five, but there's still something missing. And Jesus then brings in two of the ones that he didn't mention. All right, or, or at least insinuates here. And, and number two, commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And number 10 is thou shalt not covet, which were some problems in this guy's heart. Now, Jesus had the ability, you read it all through scriptures, that he knew what people were thinking. He knew, where, he knew why people came to him. He knew what their motive was when they came to him. He had a way of just reading their minds and knowing what they were saying. So he saw through this guy. And I think his first five answers were very intentional. He touched on the things that the guy had in order in his life. But then he says this, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. It says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's the only time in the Bible that I know of that Jesus specifically said to somebody, follow me, and they didn't. It says he went away sad, and I have a suspicion that this young man, because we never hear from him again, continued just to do his own thing, but I will tell you, the more money he made, the more power he gained, the more influence he had, the emptier he became. I believe there probably wasn't a day that went by that he didn't think, I didn't follow Jesus. I followed my own passions. And I don't think God allowed him to enjoy what he was pursuing. Why? Because he went away from God. You can't not do what God asked you to do and really be a happy person. Matter of fact, I don't know any stingy people who are happy, but I sure know a lot of generous people that are. I don't know any greedy people that are really just love life. We think about Ebenezer Scrooge. We think about the Grinch, people that are me, 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 are very, very unhappy people. And what I would know in this story is that it wasn't that he had money that was the problem, it was that money had him. Yeah. And Jesus knew it. And again, he said the five things, and that goes like, hey, I got all that down. And he's like, uh, I know where the heart of the matter is, it's your, it's your possessions. Go sell everything and follow me. And the young man went away sad. You see, this is the example of money being a master instead of a servant. Again, he had the three things that most people want. He had position, he had money, and he had power. But those things were very empty. Why? Because it was all about him and not about giving. Something was missing, and he knew it, okay? He put money ahead of serving Jesus. It's a very sad thing. And my question here is, what did this guy miss out on? What, what life did he miss out on because he didn't follow Jesus, because he followed his love for money and possessions and power over following Jesus himself? What did he miss out on? I can tell you at the end of his life, okay, if he continued that same trajectory, again, we don't know, hear anything about him in the Bible, you know, that he came back a year later and went, wow, you know, I want to follow you now. Jesus, he, that, that was the end of his story. He just went away. But I can tell you his life was not a happy life. His, his life... Was well, not a happy life. Why? Like, because he was all about himself and not giving. I believe this. You can't walk away from Jesus and be peaceful. Okay, I told you this last week. Uh, Pastor Hood, Christian's uh, grandpa, I believe, said this. It was written in Chris's Bible, like I told you. He said this. We measure worth by what we have, but God measures worth by what we give. Amen. And that's why our purpose is to give. Okay? Again, we're talking about money and offerings today. But God wants us to have a generous heart. Because if we're generous with our money, we'll be generous with pretty much everything else in life. Okay, why, why is it that money has such a grip on the heart of people? It's not really that money itself is what money can get you, okay? And, and yet God teaches us this lesson that if we give, it shall be given more to us. That if we're stingy with what we have, why would God bless us with more if we're stingy with a little? He even says this, if you're faithful with little, you will be faithful with much, all right? Some people are like, yeah, as soon as I win the lottery, I'll start tithing. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you win the lottery, you quit coming to church. Truth bomb, boom, right? It's true. Because you'll buy all kinds of stuff. If you're not giving now, when you win the lottery, you're not going to give. Because if you're faithful, why, why, just because Jesus said that. Right. And I've talked to so many people, like, as soon as I win the lottery, I'm going to give the church. And I'm like, you tithe the now? Well, no. Then don't expect to win the lottery, bro. Right? No. So I mean, Don't go buy lottery tickets. Okay? You'd be like, pastor said, no, you misread what I said. That's right. Misunderstood. So Jesus challenges us, and I'm almost done. You cool with that? It's not even noon yet. And don't ever trust a pastor who says, I'm almost done, because almost is relative. He challenges us in Luke 638. And I wrote down here, if Jesus says it, you can trust it. Luke 638 says this. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now... After church today, I'm going to have a wheelbarrow full of gold nuggets. All right? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to give back. Maybe y'all, y- y'all don't understand what I'm saying. I'm going, to, I'm going to give back. If you've been measuring with this, right? If you've been scooping out gold nuggets, you'd be okay with that? Would you be cool with that? If I gave you gold nuggets? Some of you would be like, a little more? Just a little more? Okay? If you've been using this, To give to God, to give in your finances, then this is what you're going to get. That's what it says. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking this, right? I'm thinking if I've been generous, I want a shovel full of this stuff with gold, right? But if you've been given with this, you ain't going to get this. If you've been given with this, you'd be like, yeah, but I want that. Yeah, but you haven't been doing it, right? And if you've been given with this, you're not going to get this back. It okay, be a lot of scoops, right? But, but, but God's saying a principle here. Jesus is saying, with the measure you use, I'll, I'll give you back according to how you've been giving. How do you been giving? I always think about because we do a lot of electronic giving now, but there's black boxes, like there's a black box there, black box there. And my brain thinks this, you know, in an airliner crash, there's a black box. And the black box gives a story. It tells you why, what, what happened, happened. And, and, and if we all gave checks in the black box, what would the black box tell about your giving? What would it tell about your faith? I want the black box to tell me that I have a good faith because we get a you know, giving report at the end and we get a tax credit for it, which I think is cool if it's legal, do it, okay? But what measure today would God give back to you, all right? So gold nuggets, some of you are all excited. Like, is it really gold nuggets? No, sometimes I lie to you from the pulpit as an example. All right, There's not gold nuggets, but I think you get the point. I don't want God to look at me and go, yeah, he's just doing the spoon. Because here's what I think I know about this. There's no biblical fact about this young man, but because he was a synagogue ruler, I'm going to tell you, he probably gave the minimum. Like he he gave what he was supposed to give and that's probably it. Okay, down, yeah, down to the penny, you know, he's measuring out, you know, little scales. He's like, ah, I put a little bit too much. Just take a nugget out. That's probably how he lived his life. Jesus always wants you to round up because when you round up, he will round up. I promise that. All right, final story. End end of the story. Y'all doing good so far? It's just a teaching, right? Okay. I'm Phil. I'm just teaching where the goal's at. End of the story, all right? This happened when I was in high school. Again, I tried to use a lot of, of personal examples of my life and how it works. Uh, there was a motorcycle I wanted to buy in high school. And the little town I lived in, again, had about 500 people, had a force service station, a uh, little town called Orleans in the nor- Northern California on the Klamath River. We were about 30 miles from the Oregon border. there was a little force service station there. My dad, again, owned the logging company. So familiar with force service. And this guy was selling an XR 500. I think he had it at the post office with like a Polaroid picture, you know, first sale. There was no marketplace. That was marketplace. right? And so I I went and looked at the bike, started it up. Um, It it fit me perfectly as XR 500, about that tall, weighed about 600 pounds, um, and it would break your leg if you tried to kick it, because it didn't have a decompression thing back then. Uh, it was in 1984, if you're interested, and so I, I wanted to buy this bike, and so I'm like, yeah, I'll take it, I'll meet you at this place, meet you at the, at the uh, post office, and uh, so I meet there, and he doesn't know what to bring it, so I have, my mom wrote a check out to him, and so when he sees a check, he's like, yeah, I know, I want cash, and I was like, bro, we live in Orleans, there's not a bank for two hours, like, there is no cash, Although it was kind of a drug town too. So there was a lot of cash, but I didn't, I didn't have cash. Yeah, I didn't have the cash. So that would have been a false thing. I didn't have the cash and he didn't want to sell it to me. And he was like, no, nah, I, I don't want to take a check. And there was a guy that worked with him, I believe in the Forest service too, that also knew my dad. And he overheard the conversation in the post office. And when he knew who my dad was, he told his buddy, no, his dad's good for it. He goes, that check's good. You can, you can take it. And he sold me the bike. And I got a free bike. Uh, No, no, it was good. Now let me tell you something. As a, I guess as a praise to who my dad was in the community, that's a good reputation. When somebody who kind of knows you because of the industry says, no, he's good for it. And, And because he knew he was good for it, it gave this guy confidence that he would be able to cash his check and get his money out of it. I'm here to tell you, my father is good for it. My father's good for it. When he says, when you give and you're generous and and you tithe and you give, he's good for it. He's good for it. That he will do what he said he would do in your life. So I hope this helps you. Again, as we get into, you know, toward Christmas, um, again, if you're tithing, but your spending habits are terrible, God's not gonna pay your credit card bill off for you, right? You, You tithe, but you have to still have good money management skills, okay? Don't buy it if you can't afford it. I tell parents that. Don't put it on the credit card, all right? And if you do, you give the gift to your kid and you say to Johnny from Bank of America because that's who owns it right now, okay? So I would tell you, if you're struggling financially, tell your kids, say, kids, we, I, we can't, we're not gonna go into debt this Christmas, okay? And I'm gonna give you an apple and an orange like they did on Little House on the Prairie and I need you to be happy with it. <laughs> you ever seen that? If you haven't seen that episode, watch the episode. They get a cup and like an orange and they're like elated. I dare you. I dare you to go to the dollar store, buy a cup and an orange and give it to your kid. And that's all they get. And then leave it at that. The next year they will be thankful for the little Barbie you bought them okay, or the truck or the toy. But my, my, my dad is good for it. He's good for it. Okay? That's why he teaches us this. So back to the, the, am I saved or not? Have I given my life to Jesus Christ? Because today's lesson, guys, if you're not right with God, this lesson means nothing. It means nothing. You can give a billion dollars to church, but if you're not right with Jesus and you gave me the choice, like I'm gonna give the church a billion dollars or I'm not gonna get saved. I'll pray about it. Um, (laughs) Hands down, get saved. I don't want your money. I want you to be right with Jesus. And the moment you die, I want you to be able to go to heaven and not spend eternity in hell because of your sin and your refusal to accept Christ. That is what we are about as a church family, Okay is this people coming to Christ. That, that is our heart because it's eternity at stake. Money's temporary, eternity's forever. Right. So if you would bow your heads with me today and I'm not here to, to force you to make any decision, that's not, I'm just gonna throw it out there that if you're here today, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be like the rich young man who's pursuing a lot of things that does nothing for you eternally. And this young man did not follow Jesus. And what I'm here to tell you today is Jesus is saying, follow me. Now, most of you have, most of you have given your life to Christ, but could there be one or two people today that you have not followed Jesus yet? Maybe you've pursued a lot of things and like this young man, you're empty inside because it can't fill you. Stuff cannot fill you up like God can. If you're here and you're a sinner in need of a savior, you want to ask Jesus to be your savior, you want to be forgiven of your sins, you want to get on your way to heaven, you've never made that decision before, maybe you're so far from God, you just want to recommit your life. I'm just going to ask you, between me and you and the Lord, if you just lift your hand up where I can see it, I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. But if you want this forgiveness I'm talking about today, Jesus wants to change your life. He has a purpose for you, but you have to get your life right with Him first. And it's a simple prayer. Is there anybody that needs to do that? Okay. All right. I don't see any hands. All oh, right. That's a good thing. Okay. That means if the rapture took place now, what you're telling me is every single one of us would go. Right? If you're in the limbo and going, I'm not sure I want to make the commitment now, I would tell you, the Bible says very clear, today is a day of salvation. Don't say, oh, I'll wait till tomorrow because there's going to be a point where tomorrow doesn't happen. Amen. So how do we give our lives to Christ? Okay, if you're online and you're watching, you're like, tell me how to pray the prayer. Like, you led me to nothing. And then okay, it's simple. We say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I need you to forgive me, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. It's a simple prayer, just like that—repenting of your sins and asking Jesus to forgive you—and and instantly you become a child of God and you get your name in the Book of Life. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Amen. You can look up at me. All right. Well, hey, is it twelve oh seven? Is it cool if I let you out early? Yes. As if I'm the teacher and you're my pupils. So right? right? Okay. So as as you, I don't, it's not really biblical. But I think Pastor Daniel would probably agree that uh, tonight, if you go trick-or-treating with the kids, 10% of the good chocolate comes here. <laughs> <laughs> right. okay. Or coffee, right? The, the coffee. So, hey, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you're brand new with us, thank you so much for coming. We do have a coffee cup for you. Mary's in the back. If you have any other questions uh, about the church, uh, we are having church again Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights are a lot of fun. Um, so love y'all. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for coming.